Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoop B and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. E.K. Manny. Manny. Yo. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bonds said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading the word of Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast, the joint in the journalist, the GOAT, so why ask? Watch out, if watch out. About it, if he naming them, scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. That's Scoop B. Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio. Scoopy Radio. On the plane. On the train. Everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, that you are subscribed to the Scoop B Radio podcast, available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitch app iHeartRadio, or simply by visiting ScoopBeatRadio.com. We average anywhere between two to three million streams a year, and no wonder we do that because 
We're always bringing newsmakers on the line. No different here is today. We got my main man, Dalvin the Great from Jodeci. What's going on, sir? What's good, man? What's good? Nice to talk to you, brother. A pleasure, sir. We met a, we had text a couple about a week ago, and I've been preparing for this interview, man. I, your, your legacy is rich, and I understand that there's a documentary that's getting ready to drop. Yeah, um, you know, a movie documentary. We are in, in negotiations right now, so and we have been for the last few years trying to get everything right and get the right director, the right, you know, see what kind of direction we're going to really go in. So I think it's going to be more of a, a mini-series than a documentary. So, uh, you know, we're real excited about that. You are one quarter of the R&B group, Jodeci. Uh, Mr. Dalvin is your stage name. The 90s was it. Right. In today's <laughs> music climate, what, other than the digital landscape, what's different now versus then as an artist? Um, it's basically, I guess, you know, music always takes a turn, you know, it always does, you know, unexpected turns, you know, R&B now is what's considered R&B is not the same as what we consider R&B, you know, even 10 years ago or 10 years before that or 10 years before that, you know, it's, it's totally different, you know, um, uh, and versus, you know, having a record company to back you, most R&B artists, if you're not from, you know, late 2000s or, you know, even from a couple of years ago, you, you're pretty much independent and you're doing everything on your own. And, uh, you know, you, you're really not on mainstream radio unless you're like on a, you know, maybe a throwback station or just an R&B station. I mean, it's, just a, it's a different climate as far as, you know, what, what people say is R&B music, you know what I'm saying? So that, that's all. But as far as like artists, artists are still creative. We're, we're, we're still making great music. And, you know, like I said, it's just different because, like you said, it's, it's mostly just digital now. Everything is digital. Streaming, you know, the way you hear records, everything. What was the first record you knew was a hit for Jodeci before they released it? Come and talk to me. Mm. Yeah, that, that my brother wrote that song when he was maybe like 14 years old. And uh, it was actually Casey and, and a, a girl named Barbara Jean doing a duet. And when I first heard it, I said, man, and this is before we even decided to even, you know, become a, a group or try to go get a record deal. It was just like a song was he had made for, you know, just, just made. And uh, um, and I, I said, when I heard that, I said, man, that sounds special. We got to do something with that. We got to, you know, so yeah, that was it for me. And it's crazy because, like, even now, that song is so timeless. Like, pre-COVID, you could be sitting at a, at a restaurant in Brooklyn or somewhere right. on, on, on in, in Melrose or whatever and grab uh -huh. a bite to eat during brunch, and it, it slaps in 2020. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's the thing, man. Like, you know, it's, it's a, few, a few artists that, that would always sound – just as new as, as, as you know, they when they put the record out, whether it was Michael Jackson's Off the Wall Thriller or Prince's Purple Rain or, and I say for us, you know, Forever My Lady, you know, it's just, it's one of them albums that we consider timeless, you know, people consider them classics, but it's, it's good music that's going to always last even when we're gone, you know what I'm saying, it's going to still be around, so, and I appreciate being part of that, you know. How did Jodeci keep their finger, or you guys' finger, on the pulse of what people wanted to hear. Scoop B Radio. Um, I think it was important that we didn't try to follow trends. I mean, we made music that, that we liked, and we never changed the formula of what Jodeci was. You know, we never tried to jump on, like, what was happening on the radio. And matter of fact, when we started recording, we never listened to the radio. We never listened to other artists. We never tried to, 
you know, emulate or imitate anybody or any sound. Like, you know, some of, some of our songs were inspired by maybe a certain, like, West Coast sound we did on a Diary of a Mad Band, a little bit on some of the up-tempos or, you know, we whatever it was. But at the time, we just never followed any trends. And I think that was really important because you listen to anybody who has an extensive catalog. They're always out of the box of what was happening at the time, you know? Yeah, that's real. Who to you in today's music scene reminds you of Jodeci? Oh, <laughs> that's a hard question. I've never even thought about that. Uh, oh, man. Mm. That's that's a hard one. That's a great question, though. If I if I had to say, like I say, um, I don't know, man. That, that's a great question. We got time. Take your time. <laughs> uh, I, I, that, you know, let me see. As far you talking about like in, in like right now music scene or yeah. a decade ago or what? Let's start with right now and work. So I'm a, I'm I'm going to answer your question. I'd like to know right now, but right. in the same breath, right? When I look at like okay, so when I was in college and high school, D Block okay. or the Locks and State Property were similar. So right. my first question is. Who reminds you of them of of Jodeci now, and right. what group reminded you of Jodeci back then, or who could um, be like them? I'll say now, what I it's not really that many groups out right now. If we talk about present day, because most of everybody is solo, and uh, most of everybody's doing a rap sing thing. But I would say uh, artists, I would have to say that has just as much as uh, I guess ethics and 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 putting forth good music. I don't know, man. It's hard to say. I would have to say probably Drake. I mean, it, hmm. I would have to say either Drake or I, I don't know any, any singers I could I could really pinpoint to say. But as far as like an artist that that's versatile, and I'm talking about Drake, maybe pre what Drake is right now or where direction he's going in. I would say like uh, that I like personally. This is my person. People are probably not going to connect the two. And I know he did a lot of things that uh, he sampled Jodeci a few times. But and I'm not saying it because of that. I'm just saying because he's made a body of work that I think is going to be around for a minute. You know, some of his earliest earlier songs, and uh, you know, he, he's 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 a versatile artist, and I think that he he changed music or rap the way it was going. It was headed. He kind of stayed in his own lane, but now he's you know he's kind of on what it is now. But he, you know, initially he kind of just changed music for me. That I really started appreciating Drake. But thinking back, who I thought reminded me of Jodeci back then. I have to say, who did a great job at sounding like Jodeci was Drew Hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was they did a great job of, of kind of picking up where we not fell off, but just stopped recording and kind of carrying on where, where we were at. You know, I, I would say Drew Hill. Did you guys ever, like, think, I know you guys broke up and we'll get into that in a minute, but, like, did you see Drew Hill? Because you were early 90s. Like, did you guys ever, like, talk about potentially finding a way to, like, partner up and do a collaboration, or was that kind of a, 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 a new point at that point? Well, you know, you know, at, at the time, Casey and Jodo were really uh, heavy off into the Casey and Jodo thing. They went to a totally different direction than what Jodeci was. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a lot of producing and a lot of production, <clears throat> and uh, my brother as well. Um, and one of the guys that came from our camp, his name was Daryl Pearson, Mm-hmm. Kind of 
kind of gave Drew Hill that that the sound of Jefferson Thomas. He was with us night and day, night and day, night and day. Tour with us. He lived at Devontae House. It was me, Daryl Pierce, and Devontae and Chad Elliott, which was all produced at the basement before Timberland joined the team. So Daryl got a lot of that knowledge and that, that sound of watching how we recorded Jodeci. You know, he's in the studio. He played on a couple of the, uh, records. So he knew how to to take that and pass it on to Drew Hill. Okay, oh, oh, Cisco had a similar voice, very similar to Casey. Yep. And, you know, and uh, the other guy, Jazz, had a similar voice to JoJo. So they know how to build that, that sound and, and create the harmonies because they saw how we stacked our harmonies, how we made our harmonies. So it was easy for them to, to, to get that, that Jodeci vibe. And I think that's why they, they captured it so much because they had the bridge between Jodeci and, you know, themselves. Scoop B Radio. We talked about uh, the split. Um, how did you feel when Casey and JoJo decided to split? Um, well, we never. I mean, I think that was a misconception people had. We never really split. Um, it, it was. It was at a time when I think that because we always knew that we always wanted to do our own thing. And like I said, I always wanted to be Bobby Brown. I had my business because Bobby was just totally different. What No Edition was the dancing, the singing, just the whole attitude, the hip hop, the rapping. That was just my thing. I always wanted to be Bobby Brown. The group. I always knew I wanted to make a record that would just be my play because people didn't really know what my energy was to Jodeci. It was just always Casey and Jodeci, the lead singer of Jodeci, so that's Jodeci, you know, which was definitely people that was just unknowledgeable of what Jodeci really took to make. And I always knew Casey and Jodeci would do their thing because, you know, they started as, you know, the Haley Brothers, which Casey and Jodeci doing gospel music together. And that sound was different from what me and Devontae actually kind of created and kind of, you know, infused into Jodeci and what their, what their sound was. So, um, you know, they wouldn't do Casey Jodo. Not champion yet. You know, Jodo wrote a great song, which was All My Life, and Crazy Crazy, and, you know, they went on to have success with that. But uh, it was totally different from what Jodeci was, you know. So, I I mean, it was what they were, and they, they had to get that and put that out to, to separate themselves or, you know, show their own identity of what they were. And Jodeci is just not two lead singers that sung the songs they were produced and created for them to sing, you know? No, I see you on that. Are there any Jodeci tours coming up? Well, I don't, I don't think there's no tools for anybody coming up. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, I don't think it's over. But, you know, after this COVID thing, that, right before COVID hit, we was planning on going on tour. You know, we, okay. we had shows lined up, and then everything just came to a screeching halt, you know, I think for everybody. And, you know, um, that that's uh, – hopefully we can get back on stage because that's where I – that's my – my place to be, man. I love being on stage. I can probably answer for the rest of the guys in my group. We love being on stage, man. And I, and then probably any entertainer that's an entertainer love being on stage. And that's kind of like just taking it away from us. So, you know, we'll see once this thing is over. Top three Jodeci songs, in your opinion? Um, Scoop, Cry to You, Freaking You, and probably Come and Talk. For a bonus point, like on the spelling test, what would be the fourth song? Probably get on up because I did that one. That was my first platinum <laughs> single for Joe to see. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. How did you? Uh, how were you able to remain friends with T Boz after y'all broke up? Um, I think I think it's kind of like any 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 breakup that you have. You know, you 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 realize after you've broken up how good of friends you were before you broke up, and the things that probably drove you apart or things that really didn't have anything to do with either one of you guys. Sometimes when you when when you had a relationship that both people are successful, it's everybody pulling at you from both sides. And sometimes it's hard, especially if you live in two different places, two different states and you know and it's just people on both sides pulling you in different directions. 
sometimes you feel like it's the tension between you guys. But then when you break up, you realize the the the, the bond that you share before everybody else is involved. Scoop you know, as long radio. as it's just me and her, we had so much fun, man. We more like brother and sister. We did fun things. We were so silly. We had, we played and we t- traveled the world together and did so many fun things. But then when everybody gets involved in your relationship and then try to give you advice and blah, 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 then I think the wedge starts to form between you two. And then when you guys actually break up, some time passes. You realize what's more important than people that got in between y'all is the bond you have between each other. You know what I'm saying? That's real. A couple more questions. When you look at um, today's landscape, how mm-hmm. do you think um, you guys as a group would fit today? Like, I know I asked about the digital landscape. I mean more so stylistically. When you look at today's music, do you feel like people are kind of attributing your era? Like, how would you fit in today's era? Well, I think that today people are trying to, you know, imitate the 90s. You know, they're, yeah. trying, they're, they're sampling everything from the 90s. They're sampling everything. They're, I mean, they're mimicking our, our, our you know, the, 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 the songs. They're just redoing the words. and Even some people are redoing the same words. They're changing the, the verses here and there. They're sampling beats. I mean, so I think that, you know, it, it Jodeci, that's like people ask all the time. You think Tupac and Biggie would still be the top rappers of their lives? Me, I'm saying I, they probably would be. I mean, we don't know because they're not, but in my personal opinion, I think they would be. And I think a lot of things, if Josie has kept recording and a lot of groups that were successful, like we didn't we didn't just fall off. We just stopped putting out records. You know what I'm saying? So it's hard to say where the industry or even where music would be if certain groups or certain artists would have continued to go, you know, continue to record and continue to put out material. I mean, it's hard to say. But I think that Josie would still be in the forefront of R&B music because to me personally, like I said, there hasn't been a group that surpassed Jodeci as far as being innovative with creativity and sound and production and being a self-contained group as Jodeci yet. I haven't seen it myself. So You guys uh, sold more than 20 million records worldwide to date. Uh, right. Complex Magazine ranked the group first on their 1990 male R&B group pyramid of excellence list. Uh, and she wow, I didn't know that. 14. What? I didn't know that. I, 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 that's new news to me. I never knew that. I'm going to text you when we get off. But okay. um, they had you guys listed as number one. Um, you talked about Drake uh, kind of reminding you. I, I, I can see where you get that from because I feel like he's just his own man. Right, right, exactly. Um, I just think that that era, that 90s era, was mixed with, like, you guys. Teddy Riley, Jermaine Dupree. Um, right. It, it just seemed like, and then you had on the woman's side, you had In Vogue, SWV, PLC, 702, Jade, Total, right. Destiny's Child. It was kind of like LeBron watching Kobe. Right, right, right. Um, then you had Brownstone, you had Allure. Mm-hmm. Um, you had all these, I mean, what were, what is something that people may not know about the creative space in studio, like who you may have crossed paths with in studios while they were working on their album, you guys were working on your stuff. Um, well, Luther Vandross for one, uh, Michael Jackson, who we, uh, uh, Madonna, um, and you know, and these people. The crazy thing about these, these are people that we looked up to, and and, and to see them just give us, I mean, just a lot of love and and, and knowing our material and just. 
you know, walking to our session, singing our songs, like, man, you know, and letting them hear, like, samples of our new music was incredible because these are moments as a, as a kid that I would only be able to just, you know, sneak and listen to these people's records. And for them to just kind of, like, ask me, what, what do you think about this? Or play me a sampler. So I remember when Donna had called me into one of her sessions and, and played me, like, I forgot what album she was working on. It was maybe, like, 2002 or 2001. And she let me listen to her whole project. And for her to, to want my opinion on what she was recording was, was major to me. You know, like, and, you know, because these are people that we looked up as being, like, just, you know, mega stars as 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 kids, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and me to sit in the studio with Michael Jackson and, and, you know, my brother was working with Michael Jackson at the time and him kind of just kind of like see what, what I thought. And, you know, it was, it was pretty major, man. Like, me and Michael Jackson, it doesn't matter what I think, you know? So, yeah. So my, um, I, I come from a basketball background. I come from a sports background. And okay. I did a sit-down interview with somebody today who was discussing with me Ray Allen's work ethic right? and how specific he was, the way he tucked in his jersey, the way he wore his shooting sleeve, the way he tied his shoes. Did you get a chance to observe the greats like Madonna and Michael Jackson and how particular they were in their work ethic? In I, I, I did. I mean, the, and I told this story. This is so crazy, man. Um, Devontae did a song for him, and uh, I'll be uh, refrain from using the title because I don't know if I'm going to release it. But okay, and and uh, okay, when we record, when you record music, everything when you do beats, when you produce, you you, you follow like what we call BPMs, mean beats per minute. How fast mm-hmm. the song is, the tempo of the song. So the tempo of the song, usually when you're doing an up tempo song, back back then it, it was like the basic tempo was 120 beats per minute. So um, this particular song is working. It was like it was like one. 40. But you can't really tell. Like, the naked ear, unless you know, you can't really tell the difference because it's not that big of a, a difference, mm-hmm. depending on what the drum pattern is. So I remember Devon had this song, it was like 140, and uh, he was playing it for me in the studio, he said, I'm going to speed it up a little bit. It was like, he said, maybe like 143, 145. Some, it was something so minute. He said, man, I said, man, Mike ain't going to know the difference. He said, he said I guarantee he's going to know the difference. I said, he's not. I can't even tell the difference. He played it. I said, I can't really hear the difference. I can only know because you're telling me that it's faster. And do you not know, Mike came to the studio two days later, and he played a song, Devontae played it, and we was on, Mike was dancing in the mirror, you know, in, a, in a, the mirror, you could see him dancing, whatever. And he, as soon as the song stopped, he said, Devontae, you sped that song up, huh? And this was two days later after him hearing it. You know, it, it's like, it was still that fresh on his mind. I was like, man, that's, when, that's how you know that he's locked in to what it is he's doing. And I mean, I'm just saying, nobody of the naked ear would, would have ever know the difference of that tempo. You know, he knew. And that was two days later, so he knew. So I was like, okay. You know, he's not just an artist that go in there, somebody give him a beat, and he just starts singing. He he knows exactly what he wants and what he's doing. You yeah, know? That's that's real. That's real. Um, he, he, he's not a gym rat. He's a studio rat. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, wait, do you have any other uh, recollections of people like that besides Michael Jackson? Uh, well, and this is a funny story I tell you all the time about James Brown, who's like one of my favorite, he's my favorite artist of all time Radio. overall. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's number one, top of the power for me. <clears throat> um, we did a show in Japan, in Osaka, and uh, it was it was Mary J. Blige, Jodeci, and James Brown. I don't know how the ticket came together, but it was, it was, it was, a, that was the show. Mary J. Blige opened the show, there's maybe like 14,000 people there, Japanese people, so um, I, I guess it was custom that, you know, after you, after you 
uh, finish the song, they're not allowed to clap for you. They they bow, they bow their heads, and you know, and appreciation. But while you're singing, they sing every single word with you to every song. They know every word, you know, Japanese wow. people I'm talking about. And it's really, it's really a strange feeling. So when you finish, you expect applause or something, anything, booze, anything. They just, everybody just bow, you know, unanimously. They just bow, you know. And so I'm like, wow. So I went with a translator on stage, and I went to the translator, the lady that was on stage with us. And I said, listen, you tell these people if they if they don't clap or something, we're gonna leave the stage because this is this is you know it's, it's kind of weird, man. In so many words, I, I told her. So she repeated what I said in Japanese, and maybe like a couple seconds, the whole place erupted in clapping, you know, applause. So, but at this time, you know, it was it was security walking up and down the aisles to you know to control the crowd. So they trying to stop these people from clapping, trying to sit there. All these fourteen thousand people down, and I ran and I jumped into the audience. They caught me, and it was just pandemonium after that. You know, they they were screaming and dancing and blah 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 blah. So this was so unorthodox for I guess Japanese people at the time. So make a long story short, I come back on stage and, you know, we finish our set. So I walk up the stage and James Brown is standing on the side of the stage watching us. They're watching this whole show. And he said to me, he said, you boys were good, but let daddy do his thing. And so we get out there and we're laughing. We're like, ain't no way James Brown come behind that. There's no way. I mean, I love James Brown, but he can't come behind that. We just tore the place up. And after that, when I tell you, this man took the stage and right then, I felt like I was just in a high school talent show, like like the we was just the opening act for a talent show. He murdered it, and I said, and, and me, it was so good. You just got chills watching this man just just take control of this whole crowd of stage, and he spoke in Japanese the whole time. Like I'm like that's what that's what it's all about. You could tell he's know what he's doing. He got on the instruments. He did it's a man's world. I couldn't even take it no more. I said, man, you know what? Ain't no coming behind this man. I mean, even at this age, he murdered us. You know. So, wow. So yeah, man, that was, that was just one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Like, even though he made us look like peewees, it was well worth it. It was well worth it. It was it, it, the way you describe it makes me think about. Did you see the the, the, the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance? I didn't. Oh yeah, oh, my, well, my yeah, of course, absolutely. Michael Jordan's my favorite player. Yeah. So so like when they like you didn't many didn't realize how much behind the scenes and even on the court. Michael took his time with Kobe. Right, right. And, and yeah, he told his sugar honey iced tea and told me Kobe, and he was unafraid, but he had Michael's respect and some of those older guys. And the way you describe James Brown in that regard, it's almost like it was you, you guys' Michael and Kobe moment. Right, right, exactly, man. <laughs> he said, he said, John Boys are great, but let Daddy do his thing. And he did it. I mean, he did it. He did it, man. He did it. From the open, from the time he took that stage to the time he left, I was like, man, I was in the I was in awe, and and very rarely do I see people that perform that I get in awe because our thing was when we went on stage with any artist, any group, any tour, we said we're gonna kill a show, we gonna we gonna we gonna suck the life out of this crowd, so can nobody come behind us, and that was our thing, that was Jodeci's thing, we gonna suck the life out, so we would do whatever we had to do to drain that crowd, and we thought we did a James Brown. He went on stage, bro, and I tell you, it's like the people just got in their seats. Like, we was opening that, that he was, you know, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. The resurgence he had, the light to put in that crowd, and just, they just went crazy. Tell me something. Um, when I look at Jodeci's, um Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. it says most of the elements that were eventually combined to form what became known as the Jodeci style originated with the work of New Jack Swing pioneers, Keith Sweat, and Teddy Riley, with an important influence being the work of Riley's three-man group, 
Three men, excuse me, guy. Then it goes on to say, other influences include the works of Bobby Womack, Stevie Wonder, The Temptations, Bobby Brown, A New Edition. You mentioned Bobby Brown, A New Edition. I, I'm curious to know from your perspective. Okay, so when I hear Keith Sweat, I hear the begging, beat, please, baby, please, don't leave. When I hear Teddy Riley, I think of the way that the beats are orchestrated. When I think of Stevie Wonder, I think of the timeless feel. Right. Of, like, you turn it on today, you still feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as Wikipedia says these things about Keith Sweat, Teddy Riley, Stevie Wonder, Bobby Womack, and The Temptations, and Bobby Brown, and New Edition, I feel like there's something missing. Well, there's a lot of things missing from that. I mean, I, I don't know who wrote <laughs> that Wikipedia page, but <laughs> obviously they just, that was their own personal opinion because, I mean, I, 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 I would kind of, I'll kind of reject a lot of those those elements, but you know I think that at the time that was probably whoever wrote that was probably from the nineties. That's the best way they could probably put it. But you know, Jodeci was was way 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 more complex than that. You know, we took Peter Cetera commission from the and the Winans from Gospel. I mean, you have to add you know Aerosmith. I mean, there's a lot of things that that we infused into Jodeci sound. It wasn't you know just Teddy Riley, Keith Sweat, New Edition. I mean, that was just that didn't even scratch the surface of where, where we went and how we approached our music. You know, if you listen to it, even listen to All My Life from Casey and Joe, they take, that's, that's a lot of Chicago-influenced harmony. You know, so our harmony was, they always say, man, that Josie harmony, that Josie harmony. So, you know, that wasn't God. It wasn't Keith Sweat. That, you know, it wasn't Teddy. It, was, it wasn't the audition. It was just an infusion of things and artists that we studied coming up, you know, from DJ Rogers, like gospel artists that people probably wouldn't even know to this day. But these are the things that we grew up in. You know, me and my brother, we had this because my dad, with people, a lot of people probably don't know, my dad was the first black preacher on TV with Jim Baker. And uh, we was around a, a lot of different, like Southern gospel, just mainstream gospel, contemporary gospel. And these are artists that we got a chance to meet firsthand. And, you know, even when the brothers Johnson's who did Letter, letter 23, 23rd Letter, and they, they made a gospel album called Passage. And it was a group called Passage. And we had, I mean, all these things that we infused into the Jodeci sound that people really didn't know. And so, yeah, I think that's probably whoever wrote that Wikipedia page is probably just their first, you know, <laughs> thoughts, I guess. I don't know. I got a question. All right. Is the rumor true that Biggie Smalls locked Little Kim in a room to prevent you guys from doing a collaboration? You know, I heard Little Kim say that. I mean, to my knowledge, when I heard when I saw that interview, I know that she was supposed to be on uh, one of our remixes, and we offered our label offered like at the time I think it was like a hundred some thousand something. It was really really a lot against our knowledge. And me and Little Kim were friends, and and but you know she had said a couple things like you know, and I guess this is when the whole East Coast West Coast thing started, and he you know they thought we took sides because of the whole Suge Knight thing and. I guess they were upset about that. But I, I saw it in the interview. I never knew that until I saw this interview, and this was maybe a couple of years ago. So I guess it, it must be. She wasn't on the remix, and, and we were friends, and all of a sudden our friendship kind of came to a close. And, you know, a halt at one point we regained the friendship, you know, uh, uh, maybe like maybe five, six years ago. But other than that, yeah, I guess it is true. You know, she said it. So Next question. Biggie. That 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 video clip where he goes, every time I close my eyes, I wake up feeling so horny. Um, right. He sampled you guys. I mean, he was just off the cuff doing it. Um, where were you the first time that you saw that video clip? Well, let me tell you this. 
Biggie was a good friend of mine before he dropped the record. Okay. You know, Biggie, I, mean, I knew Biggie before he, when he was doing, you know, his first record, I mean, his first song with the Who's the Man soundtrack. Um, and and we were, we were, before he recorded anything, you know, before he recorded anything, you know, Puffin brought him around and he was just this guy that wanted to just put a record out. He he made, you know, uh, uh, you know, his, his first record and we was cool. And, you know, all of a sudden he blew up and I, <laughs> I think, that like I said, same thing with me and Tion. When people, me and T Bob, I'm sorry, I called Tion because the first name, but the same thing when people get in the middle of sometimes people and they started to pull you away, and it happens all the time, man. You know, and th- th- you forget the things and the times before those actual moments to where you become successful. And it happens a lot. I've seen it a lot. You know, I've been, I've entered a lot of people into this industry who, you know, you wouldn't even know unless I said something. They wouldn't. They would probably cut their own wrist if they had to say that they came from, you know, the Jodeci camp or Dalvin and Devante or it was introduced by Mr. Dalvin and Devante. So, you know, you don't you don't get these accolades from people that, that you actually bought in the business. And like I said, Biggie, I mean, we took a long drive to D.C., me and Biggie and, and my cousin, and we drove to D.C., was following Diddy. And, you know, we're, these are friendships that I had. And so I don't know where the animosity came along the lines of the, along the rest of the years, unless it was just for the whole, you know, East Coast, West Coast thing. But other than that, you know, I, I, Biggie was a big Jodeci fan. He was there through the, the Fell My Lady day, through the through all the, all those days, the early days. You know what I'm saying? Gee, I really want to show you a uh, song that you did with, uh, well, Casey and JoJo did it. Um, but when you look at just his current in studio, um, what was his creative process like? And Biggie, Biggie? Yeah. I never spent time with Biggie in the studio. He he came by our sessions a couple of times, but I never I never got a chance to go and, and actually watch him record. I've heard amazing things about it, but I've never watched Biggie record. And I've watched Tupac. I spent a lot of time in the studio with Tupac, but other than that, I never watched Biggie actually record something, so I can't really tell you. And I heard it was great. It was amazing to watch. Tupac, I'm fascinated with for this reason. Um, I remember when Little Wayne put out endless mixtapes. Right. And I remember people like a little young, I'm 35, so people a little younger than me uh, trying to say he had endless content like Tupac. What was Tupac right. like in the studio? Scoop oh, B man. Radio. I mean, we talking about the first time, the first experience I got to see him actually work was when we did, uh, he brought How Do You Want It, that one song that, uh, you know, Cajun Joe was singing it. I, I produced the vocals on it. He he came to, to my hotel room and brought a cassette tape and, um, it was a whole different song, and he was singing a hook. He had different verses. He was singing a hook. He said, man, I want to put some, some singing on this, you know, blah, blah, I said, well, you know, we can come do something on the, on the record. But his voice sounded dope on it because it had that eerie Tupac, low baritone voice. He said, I don't like my voice on the hook. I just want, you know. So I said, all right, so we got Caucasian Jojo. So we all showed up at the studio. And I, to this day, when people listen to it, that's him singing that bottom note. I never took his voice out, although he wanted me to. His voice is the low note on the harmony, and I kept him on there. And, uh, and, and, just when when we started recording, he, he sat down and he wrote his verses all over, like in a matter of 15 minutes. I'm like, why are you going to change the verses? He's like, man, y'all not going to kill me on my own song. And it was dope. I was like, man, the original verses was dope. He went back and changed the verses and just, and he would just go and record, 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 back to back to back all the time. So, and I know he has endless content, endless content, you know? I feel like I feel like he had a bathroom stall in the dang old studio, and he had a kitchen, but not not, not too far from it because he got stuff for days. Yeah, he got stuff for days, man. I mean, like you know, a lot a lot of artists, even like us, we record a lot of songs. And people say, "Why don't I release the songs that y'all to put out?" 
sometimes that's just what they are. It's, it's a reason why songs don't come out, you know. I mean, like some artists, when when they pass away, people put the songs out. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, how do you feel about X, Y, Z? I said, well, maybe he didn't really want the song out. That's why he didn't put it out. You know, like me, people ask me all the time. I know y'all got vaults and vaults of music. Yeah, but sometimes it's better kept in the vaults. That's what I feel as an artist. Sometimes it's just better off where they are. That's the reason that they didn't make it to the album. Or the reason that we didn't put them out. Sometimes I go back and listen to the record, and I, I like them for myself. And I find myself like, okay, yeah, I see why we didn't put this out. You know? And I'm sure a lot of artists go through that, too, you know? No, I believe that. I believe that. I think that's part of being a creative. And everybody's not going to be happy. Um, but I, I think creative control is a great thing. I'm curious to know from your perspective, a couple more questions. Who is somebody in the industry during your era that you wanted to work with, but you never got a chance to work with them? I mean, I say, I, I say, before my era was 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 Prince. You know, I really wanted to work with him and Michael. You know, I got a chance to sit down and talk to him and chop it up, but never got to really actually get in the studio with him. Um, uh, a little young, I would I would have loved to work with Biggie, and probably to do more stuff with Pac. Um, definitely would love to work with Beyonce. Um, haven't got a chance to do that yet. And I know she's a fan of, of Jodeci, because I'm a fan of hers. Uh, never got a chance to do that yet. Um, and that, that's, you know, a couple more people I can't think of off the top of my head, but that's probably the people that's gone and, and the people that's present that I would like to work with. Who would you like to work with in this era? Probably Drake. I'd like to work with Drake. Um, that's what. Um, yeah, I like to work with Drake. Uh, it's a couple I like to work with. I, actually, I like to work with the baby. I like the baby sometimes. He's funny. Uh, he's pretty cool. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, that's probably what I can think of it's in my rotation as far as like new artists. Yeah, a few years ago, when I was in 2014, uh, Timberland, uh, mm. it was he was quoted as saying, you know, he was locked in for Jodeci reunion album. Um, and, you know, he talked about it. He said, I met with Devontae. So I know you guys put out something in 2015, uh, if I'm not mistaken. We can, we can, yeah, we can talk about that after you ask me the questions about to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine that a new piece of music would come about uh, once the documentary drops. Like, what's the latest with that? Any new music? Um. I think I think that the I think like I said it's not gonna I don't think it's gonna be a documentary. If they make ever make a documentary, I mean it's gonna be probably based on the music that we've already done. And even the miniseries or the movie, whatever we choose the the route we choose to go, it's gonna be based on the music that's already been created. Um I think that if they wanna bring up the speed and, and see where, you know, if we decide to make another album then that's when it'll be new music. And this is just what I'm thinking right now. Uh, because I think that a movie about Jodeci would be based on you know, our success and the rise to our success. And other than that, I think new new music will come, like new new material for a new project. You know what I'm saying? That's real. That's real. What are you doing in your, I guess, last question, in your creative process during the pandemic, what is something in your alone time that you've learned about yourself personally and professionally? that has made you a better person at this point that we're recording? Well, I learned to appreciate a lot of things, man. So I, with a lot of things I took for granted, like uh, 
recording myself in music engineer. I taught myself how to engineer record, which I just put a single out uh, four days ago called Good Times. But I engineered it myself. I, I had to learn this new technology because I'm used to just going to a studio. And right before COVID, I was in the studio every day, and I just make my beats at home. I take, I write my song. I go let the engineer do all the, the laboring and the, the tedious work of recording, putting it down, laying it down. I just go in the vocal booth and you know put my beat down. I'll mix it, but I let him do all the, the tedious work of the actual engineering. But me sitting here in COVID, when COVID first set us down, I couldn't go to the studio anymore. I'm like, man, I can't just start recording music because I'm in the middle of uh, working on the project. So what do I do? And I and I purchased a, a program, you know, Logic, and I taught myself how to work it. I mean, I, because these are things I take for granted, you know, even being self-sufficient in, in engineering. Because it's more, it's more. I'm more of a creative person, and I think engineering takes away a lot of the creativity of you writing and stuff because you got to record yourself and you know punch yourself in and mix the vocals, mix the drums, mix the everything, and it takes a lot away the creative creative process. But I found myself really starting to dig it. I was going to YouTube, a lot of trial and error. I was racing stuff, deleting stuff by accident, messing up. But I taught myself how to record myself and engineer my own project. So that that's one thing that I really, really, really felt fascinating about myself, to be able to just slow my mind down, to go back and re- reprogram my mind to, you know, this new era of technology, you know, how to record on this new digital platform instead of having the tape machines and the big SSL board in the studios. You know, everything is on your laptop. Everything is right there on your desktop, you know? But we're going to put a sticky note there. When you guys drop your next project, got to have you back and uh, discuss further because I'm intrigued, brother. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. All right, my man. Here's the good news. You're off the hot seat. <laughs> I appreciate your time, man, and be safe. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. This is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Come on! My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.